Welcome back to the Walk the Word podcast with me. My name is James. I'm the pastor of an international church here in the kingdom of Bahrain called Sar Fellowship. We're walking through Genesis, one chapter a week, and today we get to Genesis chapter 34. If you've not read Genesis 34 recently, uh, go ahead, press pause, read it, and then we'll come back together. We'll break it down. We'll walk through it together as we seek to know and grow in God's word. So Genesis 34, it is quite a difficult story. It's not the nicest of, uh, of, of chapters in the Bible. It's probably, maybe it's probably the, the most adult-themed chapter that we've seen so far. Possibly the, maybe not the nicest that we've read so far. So we'll break it down and, uh, and we'll walk through it and we'll see what it looks like for us. So Genesis 34 begins, now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to see the women of the land. And as we get into this then, Genesis 34, we're going to see there's a terrible crime committed, but the reaction to that crime is, is equally as bad. So out goes Dinah. Uh, wants to see the women of the land and uh, a very understandable thing and she seems to be following her dad's example here so at the end of chapter 33 Jacob told his brother we're going to go this way and then they went the complete opposite way they said they were going to go south and they ended up going north and so Diana's growing up seeing her dad behave like this you know say one thing and do another kind of pretty much doing as he sees fit himself. And uh, so they're living in this place, uh, we said in chapter 33, verse 17, they're living in this place called Sukkoth, and um, it's near the city of Shechem in the land of Canaan. We read that in in chapter 33. And they're camping out, they've set up their camp um, just on the city limits, just outside the city. We see that in 33, verse 18. And so Dinah wants to go and see the women of the land. Now, apparently, the time that this took place, it was not the done thing for young ladies to walk around cities um, unaccompanied because that would signal to everybody around that they were a bit promiscuous, possibly a prostitute, and they were kind of fair game for the men of the town, as, as terrible as that sounds. So off she goes. Uh, She should probably have been with somebody. uh, But again, she's following her dad's example of, look, if I feel like doing this, I'm going to do it. And we see that when Shechem, this is verse 2 of 34, uh, when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he seized her, lay with her, and humiliated her. And his soul was drawn to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. He loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. So Shechem spoke to his father, Hamor, saying, get me this girl for his wife. So there's a couple of things there. This terrible crime has been committed. Uh, it looks, for all intents and purposes, like Dinah has been raped. And um, whether she was out by herself or not, you know, there's no excuse for, for, for what... Um, has happened here, what Shechem's done here. And then we see in verse 3 that his soul was drawn to Dinah and he loved her. And it's difficult to take love how we would normally understand it, you know, have tender affections to somebody because in verse 2 we read that he humiliated her and then he speaks about her in verse 4 
get me this girl for my wife. So really, he's kind of lusting after her. He's not loving her in a tender, affectionate, self-sacrificing kind of way, is he? So first kind of chunk of this uh, this chapter, verses 1 through 4, this terrible crime has been committed. And, uh, and then 5, 6, and 7, uh, the family find out. So in verse 5, Jacob hears that his uh, daughter has been defiled, and, uh, but his sons were out and about in the field working. So Jacob held his peace until they come, and it's a little bit unbelievable that he would hear this about his daughter and hold his peace. And then the dad of the offending young man, Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to speak to Jacob. And then Jacob's sons come in and they hear what's happened to the sister in verse 7. And they are, we read, indignant and very angry. So the contrast there, Jacob has managed to hold his peace with this. And the sons hear about it and they're very, very angry. And we read, because he had done an outrageous thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, for such a thing must not be done. And then... Uh, verses 8 through 12 we see Hamos speaking with them and them being Jacob and the sons of Jacob and we read the soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter please give her to him to be his wife make marriages with us give your daughters to us and take our daughters for yourselves you shall dwell with us and the land shall be open to you dwell and trade in it and get property in it so basically they are looking for a complete assimilation a complete coming together of this, the family of God's people, Jacob's family, with their own family. And we've, we've seen throughout the consistent narrative of Genesis so far that God's people are called to be holy, which means separate. They're not to completely assimilate and take on the customs, the cultures of those around them. There's a wise way to interact with those around us. But there's a line where, do you know what, I'm living, I'm part of God's family, so we're called to be holy, we're called to be separate. We're not going to just take on everything and anyone that's suggested to us. And then we see in verse 11, Shechem also said to her father and to her brothers, let me find favor in your eyes, which is quite difficult given what he's just done. And uh, whatever you say to me, I will give. Ask me for as great a bride price and gift as you will and I will give whatever you say to me. Only give me the young woman to my wife. So he, he really wants to be, uh, he wants Dinah as his wife. And it looks like, for all intents and purposes, that he's trying to just buy this young lady. So he's uh, humiliated her. He's, now he's trying to essentially buy her. So it's just not right, is it? This is not how people are, are treated, people are viewed. And then verses 13 through 17, the sons of Jacob answer the two guys in front of them deceitfully. So then this terrible crime has been committed. But the way they respond to it is, uh, is particularly poor as well. So they answer them deceitfully. Basically, these verses 13 through 17 is a big lie. And they say, look, um, and they justify it by because he's defiled their sister. So in verse 14, they say, look, um, we, we can't do this uh, to just, we can't give you our sister as a wife because you're uncircumcised. That would be a disgrace to us. Only on this condition will we agree that you will become as we are by every male among you being circumcised. Then we will give our daughters to you. We will take your daughters to ourselves. 
and we will dwell with you and become one people. But if you will not listen to us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and we will be gone. So that's all a huge lie, uh, as we are about to find out. And then the next kind of chunk paragraph passage uh, between verses 18 and 24, Hamor and Shechem kind of go back to their people and lay out the potential gains of this happening. So they're very pleased with what's just offered to them. And uh, they go and we read that uh, Hamor and Hamor's son Shechem, the young man being Shechem, didn't delay to do the thing. So he was circumcised immediately because, we read, he delighted in Jacob's daughter. He wants Dinah as his wife. And we read that now he, he was the most honored of all his father's house. So even he, he's the most honored person in this family, this house, yet he's done this terrible, horrible thing. So this moral relativism that, um, you know, he, among their people, he's the best, so to speak. But yet he's still, you know, seized her, lay with her, humiliated her. Now he's trying to buy her. So this point of, well, he's better than everybody else in his own people, this relative, you know, it's, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work, does it? So Hamor, this is verse 20, Hamor and his son Shechem came to the gate of their city and they spoke to their men. And customarily, culturally, the gate of the city was used as the court. This is where the business of the people was decided. So they go to the gate, speak to all the men of the city. And they said in verse 21, These men are at peace with us. Let them dwell in the land and trade in it. For behold, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters as wives. Let us give them our daughters. And then he lays out the condition that's been given to them. Uh, look, you all need to be circumcised. And then in verse 23, he says, Will not their livestock, their property, their beasts be ours? So they obviously know that Jacob's family is tremendously wealthy and rich. They've accumulated lots and lots and lots of status and wealth-bearing things. They've got lots of flocks. They've got lots of people who look after the flocks. They're just a big, rich family by the standards of the day. And we read in verse 24 that uh, this deal was obviously acceptable to them. They, they stand to gain potentially a great deal of uh, material prosperity. And we read in verse 24 that all who went out of the gate of his city listened to Hamor and his son Shechem, and every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of his city. Now this next passage is where we see that the sons of Jacob did answer deceitfully because we read in verse 25 that on the third day when they were sore two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi down his brothers took their swords and came against the city while it felt secure and killed all the males. So they basically set them up. We're going to do this for you if you every single man gets circumcised. So then you've basically disarmed every single man in the town for a few days. And we read, don't they, when they were sore, they've gone in two of them and we read, uh, they've killed all the males. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem with the sword and took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went away. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because they had defiled their sister. They took their flocks and their herds, their donkeys and whatever was in the city and in the field. All their wealth, all the little ones and their wives, all that was in the houses, they captured and plundered. So yes, the crime against Dinah was great. 
it was it just there's nothing positive about that. Is that she was when well, we read um, seized, raped, humiliated, and then tried to be bought. And they justify this. The sons of Jacob justify this in verse 31 by saying, look, they've basically treated her like a prostitute. But what they've done essentially is transferred the guilt and the wrong from Shechem and his family onto their own family by mass murdering all these men and enslaving, taking for whatever purposes they see fit in the future, all their wealth, all their children, and all their ladies. So they're now forced to come and work for their family. So, in, in a, they've basically transferred the guilt. Who is now in the wrong? It's it's Jacob's family, and it's his sons, and it's and it's God's people. And in verse thirty, Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, the two guys that have done this, uh, "You have brought trouble on me by making me." stink to the inhabitants of the land basically my our reputation now is particularly poor shall we say uh, the canaanites and the Perizzites, my numbers are few and if they gather themselves against me and attack me i shall be destroyed both i and my household so jacob it seems to be so i read communicating here as jacob the man not israel the man of god the family of god because there's lots of me You've brought this on me. I stink. My reputation's shot. My numbers are few. They gather against me, 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 I, I, I. And the only thing that uh, Simeon and Levi have got to say is, well, look, should he treat our sister like a prostitute? And no, that should never have happened. There's nothing good about what happened to Dinah. But the reaction, like we said, totally transfers the, the, the guilt and the wrongdoing onto them and to their family and it's that old schoolyard thing of two wrongs don't make a right. This family have seen through generations the truth that God intervenes and does miraculous and wonderful things for them and saves them. And yet they've engineered this situation and scenario of mass murder and the, 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 the taking of basically whatever and whoever they want. And I read recently that when Jacob uh, was about to die, he prophesied over, spoke to prophetically each of his sons. And uh, in Genesis 49, that we'll get to in a few weeks, uh, this is what he said about Simeon and Levi. So we'll just flick forward a little bit. Genesis 49, uh, verses 5, 6, and 7. He said, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Weapons of violence are their swords. Let my soul come not into their counsel. O oh, my glory, be not joined to their company. For in their anger they killed men, and in their willfulness they hamstrung oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So Jacob knows you know, who they are, what they've done, and he sees them for what they are. And he talks about them being scattered. And they were. The, the tribes of Simeon and Levi were scattered as, as a result of this. Uh, Simeon, the tribe of Simeon, so I read, effectively dissolved as a tribe. And it was kind of absorbed into Judah. Levi also scattered. Um, and that was 
so Simeon was scattered in a bit of a negative way. It kind of ceased to be. Levi was scattered, uh, but, but used as a blessing for the whole nation of Israel through uh, the priestly tribe and, and whatnot. Both were scattered as a result of what they've gone out and done, uh, what they've done here. So no, what happened to Dinah should never have happened, but this lying, deceitful situation engineered for mass murder and capture and plundering, um, no, should, should, should never have happened either, should it? So Genesis 34 is quite a heavy story to read. And um, as, as we've been walking through it, you know, it's, uh, it is quite a heavy thing. We see this visceral, very emotional reaction of, uh, of the sons of Jacob, which in and of itself to feel strongly about things is, is, is not a problem. It's a, it's a good thing. Jesus felt very strongly about very many things. But to take action to your own hands and to, and to murder and to capture and to, you know, it's essentially doing exactly what Shechem had just done. He wanted something, he felt really strongly about something, so he just went out and got that something. It didn't matter who or what lay in his way. So it's all right for us to, to feel strongly, to have strong emotional reactions to things. But just to go and take and do as we please, you know, is. Um, it's just not all right, is it? So it's a heavy chapter. It's a strong message of... Um, it's, it's just a very strong message, isn't it? And it, um, I think it points us to the, the workings of Jesus in that he felt so strongly about so many things, yet if he did all that was in his power to do and didn't you know show obedience to god's plan and god's will above all else and trusting god to right wrongs and trusting god's plan to come to fruition then things would have looked very very different wouldn't they and everything that was predicted about him in the old testament wouldn't have come to fruition wouldn't have happened so things would have looked very, very different. So it's all right. Again, it's all right to feel strongly, to react strongly emotionally to things. But that's all got to be channeled and filtered through. You know, we are not the judge. We are not the jury. We are not the executioner when things go wrong for us or against us. It's so important that we filter that through God's will. God's on the throne. God is sovereign. You're not. I'm not. Even if we get together and combine our intellect, you know, you know, we are not. Because when we we've seen a, a great example here of the poor consequences. Simeon and Levi have gone out and, and taken it upon themselves to exact retribution. And then as Jacob's dying, he basically prophesies about them that, you know, you guys have had it now. You're going to be divided and scattered, dissolved and kind of just 
mingled in with with others really you're going to lose a bit of your identity because of the tr the fact that you've gone out and tried to do it all in your own strength and power so genesis 34 then strong message strong chapter next time we'll get into genesis 35 uh, we'll see the, uh, the, the a blessing for jacob we'll see the deaths of rachel and isaac but until then god bless you